0: One day I'll have a real good joke. One day. One day I'll have a real good joke. Obviously not today. Hebrews 11 chapter 1 says this. Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Amen? Let me say it one more time. Hebrews 11 chapter 1 says, Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, and the evidence... Of things not seen. Over the past several weeks, Paul has given us some powerful illustrations that talk exactly to this point. Things that put in our in our heart will make our faith strong and cause us to live a life faithful to the Lord. But what are those things? What are those things, as the title says, that gives us faith that lasts? Consider this. Knowing Jesus was one of the things that Paul said. Look at verse 8 in Philippians chapter 3. He says, Yet indeed I also count all things lost for the excellence of the knowledge of Christ Jesus. Knowing who, who Jesus was. What else? Paul, understanding that righteousness is only in Christ and not of our own doing. Think about what he says uh, in verse 9. It says, and be found in him, not having my own righteousness, which is from the law, but that is through faith in Christ, the righteousness which is from God by faith. Last week, we talked about understanding the power of His resurrection. We see in verse 9, it says, "...and be found in Him, not having my own righteousness, which is from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness which is from God by faith." Verse 10, "...that I may know Him and the power of His resurrection." What a powerful thought last week when we considered just how beautiful the resurrection of Jesus Christ is. Amen. What a powerful thing for us as Christians to be encouraged by that we have victory in Jesus. This morning I want to continue this thought. With two more things and really when we compile these, if you'll use this in your life when you get down, when you get out, when you get to struggling in your faith, struggling for what you're doing, is it what I'm supposed to be doing? Is it really worth it? If you'll read these verses. They will be such an encouragement to you because what does it do? It makes you realize, it brings you back to the thought of where you really need to be at. All we need is Jesus. Amen? That's all we need. Think about what it says in verse 10. Now that I may know Him and the power of His resurrection and the fellowship of His sufferings being conformed to His death. Why do these ideas that Paul is talking about in these verses become so powerful in our walk as a child of God? Why do they have a powerful effect on one's faith? Because as we fill our minds with these truths, when we fill our minds with these truths, we can't help but see just like Paul... Nothing in this world compares to the hope that we have in Christ. Nothing. I'm so thankful. And what a blessing it is to be able to gather with you guys this morning and focus our minds on something that will encourage us during this time that we're faced with right now. I appreciate the elders and their love and their concern for us, and I know it was tough, but brethren, as Terry prayed, I want us to remember, and we looked at this before in Philippians chapter 1, verse 21, Paul said this statement, For to me... To live is Christ, and die is gain. What can anything do to me? See, a child of God has a different view of life. Amen? See, a child of God has a different confidence. Amen? You know, the Bible, it teaches this concept as we're thinking about death. Death comes before life. This is talked about Often in the scriptures, John, uh, maybe if I can get to it, John 12, verse 24 says this. This is Jesus talking. He says, Most assuredly I say to you, unless a grain of wheat falls into the ground and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it produces much grain. We'd all say that we've heard this before, right? We understand this truth that if it dies, it will produce much grain. See, we see that in the life of Jesus Christ, His death, His burial, and His resurrection. We see it in our obedience to the gospel. We die to our old man, and the new man is raised to walk in newness of life. John uh, chapter 12, verse 25 continues with this when Jesus says, He who loves his life will lose it. And he who hates his life in this world will keep it for eternal life. We remember this truth as well in Romans chapter 6, verse 6, where Paul says, Knowing this, brethren, that our old man was crucified with him and that the body of sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves of sin. We also see this in one who wants to follow Jesus. You know, somebody who really wants to be his disciple, one who understands his truth and wants to obey it. Jesus continues in John 12 by saying this, If anyone serves me, let him follow me. And where I am, there my servant will be also. If anyone serves me, him my father Will honor. In order to have more of God in our life, there needs to be less of self. Amen? We would all say that that's true. See, if we don't decrease, then how can God increase? Amen? You remember what John the Baptizer said when he saw Jesus and they asked him questions about him? He said, I must decrease and he must increase. In order for God to fill us with Himself through His Word, being guided by the Holy Spirit, being filled with the Spirit as we do His will, then He must first strip us from our old self. You remember Luke chapter 9 verse 23, Jesus says, for whoever wants to or whoever desires to follow after me, they must do some things. First, they must deny their self. The second thing is they must take up their cross daily and then follow him. He goes on to say in verses 24 and 25, for whoever desires to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake will save it. And catch this phrase, brethren. For what profit is it to a man if he gains the whole world? And here it is. And is himself destroyed or lost? See, God's will for us is Romans chapter 8, verse 29. For whom he foreknew, he also predestined. This body that he knew that Jesus would die for, the ones he knew that were going to be a part of this blessed group, he predestined them to to be conformed to the image of his son. So Jesus would be the example for many brethren. Think about that. Think about what that says. How can I be like Jesus if I have no knowledge of Him? Why did Paul say that he was willing to give up everything for the knowledge of Christ? Because as he continued to think about it, as it continued to resonate in his mind, it did something for him. It changed his view. There is no hope except in Jesus. My only hope is you, Jesus. My only hope is you. From early in the morning till late at night, my only hope. Is you. See, this is the goal of our instruction from the Almighty. You want to know what it is? That He might reproduce His life in us. What an amazing thing. Amen? See, we'll talk about this very openly, though. See, we'll talk about this and we'll even pray about it. But are we actually applying these truths when it matters the most. What a long intro, Matt. Why don't you get to the point? I'm getting there. When we're Going through a tough time, when the going gets tough and real struggles and real tribulations are presented, are we drawing nearer to God or are we drawing further away? You know, all of those lessons that we hear all the time that I've heard so many times, Matt, when the situation presents itself, are we actually doing that lesson we've heard a million times? You want to know a simple one? Love your neighbor as yourself. Can I get an amen? Amen. Heard it a million times, Matt. True. But am I actually applying it? Am I actually doing it? Are we putting these truths that Paul is talking about here? In the forefront of our minds, are we remembering that only in Jesus are we saved? Are we remembering that only through the resurrection do we have victory over death? Do we realize that there is only hope in Jesus? Are we doing as Christ would do? Or do we pull that old self back up and do what it thinks is right? Paul understands the way to keep from pulling away from Christ when it matters the most is by understanding the truths that are in verses 9 through 11. No wonder Paul says in verse 11, look at it with me, if by any means I may attain to the resurrection from the dead. Paul knew, and we should know as well, that if we don't increase our faith and lean on the truths that the Lord has given us in Christ, here's what we stand a big chance at doing. Hebrews chapter 2, verse 1. Therefore, we must give the more earnest heed to the things that we have heard, or here's the truth. Here it is. Lest we drift away. Lest we drift away. Doesn't Jesus tell us in Revelation chapter 2 verse 10 to be faithful to Him until death and He'll give us a crown of life? You remember Paul at the end of his life in 2 Timothy chapter 4 verses 7 through 8. Here's what he says. I fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I've kept the faith. Finally, there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness which the Lord... The righteous judge will give to me on that day. That's confidence. Amen. And then he says, and not to me only, but also to all who have loved his appearing. Paul had fought the good fight in 2 Timothy and he had finished the race. And what was his confidence? That there was a crown laid up for him. See, what was Paul doing in his mind, brethren? What should we be doing in our mind, brethren? We should stay focused on the main thing, right? What is the main thing? Serving him, doing his will, exactly what he asks us to do in the midst of the toughest times. Paul says this at the end of his life, but in Philippians, he's still running this race. His life is still going on. And how is he doing it? By understanding these truths that we have gone over. It was causing his faith in Christ to increase and everything else to decrease. Two points in the lesson will be yours. The first is this. Paul says in verse 10 that he may know Him and the power of His resurrection and the fellowship of His sufferings. Why is this such an important tool for us as Christians to apply to our lives? Our Savior, He came to suffer for our sins as we just sang. And He came to suffer for our sins on a cross. And his entire ministry was marked by this misunderstanding, by opposition, by betrayal, and by death. Would you say amen to that? While we never can enter into his suffering in the same way that he suffered on the cross, here's the application for us, and here's where it gets real. If you are a child of God, you have your own cross that you get to carry. The question is this: How are you going to carry it? How are you going to carry it? The way that we think is right, or the way that Jesus carried his cross? See, he's the author and the finisher of our faith, right? We see how he carried his cross, and you want to know how he carried his cross? Perfect. 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 19 says, Therefore let those who suffer according to the will of God commit their souls to him in doing good. Here's the question that you have to ask yourself. Have you committed yourself to him? As a faithful creator. Hebrews 11 chapter 1 becomes powerful in this thought. The way that we think is right or the way that Jesus carried his cross. See Hebrews chapter 5 verse 8. And we've talked about this often. It says, though he was a son. Yet he learned obedience by the things which he suffered. This is an amazing thought really. Because this is is really a startling statement if you really consider it for just a minute. Jesus learned obedience to the things that He suffered. Yeah, and check it out. Jesus had never experienced the test of obedience until when? Until He suffered. He never was tested in it until it came upon Him. His suffering for our sins on the cross was the ultimate test of His submission to the will of the Father. Does that even move us? Does that even do anything to us when we consider the man on the cross? The man who was laughed at? The man who was mocked? i tell you what, I have a real problem with somebody mocking me. How about you? I have a real problem with it. It gets on my nerves, man. You start mocking and making fun of me, I'm liable to say something real crazy to you. I mean, I may be the only one that's ever... (laughs) Maybe I'm the only one that feels like that, but man... Especially when I've died for you. I'm about to go and and take away your sins and you're going to laugh at me and make fun of me? Take my clothes off? Jesus had never experienced the test of obedience until He suffered for you. If we're going to be like Him... If we're going to carry our cross like Him, we got to learn how to obey through our sufferings too. Amen? What Jesus learned was when the going was tough, when the trial was hard, He knew who He could lean on. When it got tough, you want to know what the Father said? Lean on me. When you're not strong, lean on me. Jesus had fellowship with the Lord, amen? In those times, and so should we. Here's what we have to understand, that we have someone to fellowship with in our sufferings. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 15, the Bible tells us that Jesus was tempted in every way like us, but yet without sin. So because of that, He understands our struggles. He understands our needs in the face of trials and tribulations. And therefore, we can come boldly to the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace. And here it is, the incredible part of this verse, to find help in time of need. That's fellowship, wouldn't you say? See, fellowship points to this closeness, to this intimacy. Paul knew this fellowship when he was preaching in Corinth and was struggling with fear of what the people were going to do to him. So what does the Lord do? He appears to him in a vision, and look at what he tells him. Now, the Lord spoke to Paul in the night by a vision, And he said, Do not be afraid. Do not be afraid, but speak and do not keep silent. And I love this part, and I want you to hold on to this thought, and I want you to be comforted by this. It says, For I am with you. No one will attack you to hurt you, for I have many people in this city. Sufferings and trials are what allows us to show our faith, to show God and others where we put our trust when it matters the most. See, the best time I can show you my faith is when this trial is on me, when this uncertainty is happening in my life. What a better way to be a city set on a hill People need Jesus. Amen. People right now in this world need Jesus. Think about what Peter says in 1 Peter chapter 4 verses 12 and 13. Why am I using so many verses? Why am I using all of these different verses to talk in my sermon? Because it is what cuts, brethren. The Word of God can talk a whole lot better than me. Beloved, do not think it's strange concerning the fiery trial, which is to try you, as though something strange happened to you. (laughs) Don't think it's weird that something comes upon you. Don't think it's weird that this fiery trial is going to try your faith like something strange happened to you. But here it is, brethren. But rejoice to the extent that you partake of Christ's sufferings that when His glory is revealed, you may also be glad with exceeding joy. Well, Matt, nobody's going to know that I did this. Yeah, God is. Yeah, God is. God's going to know it. Well, I'm not suffering like Christ. Well, you got your own cross to bear. How are you carrying that cross? See, I can rejoice in my suffering as I'm carrying my cross because when it matters the most, I go to the one who can help me, the one who said, I'll never leave you, I'll never forsake you. Come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden and I'll give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. It's easy. It's light. See, this is what Paul is talking about. Understanding that we have somebody who is with us in the midst of suffering, and we get to do it just like the king. That's a game-changer. If nobody else is with me, the Lord is. Paul knew this, and I want you to know this too. 2 Timothy 4, verse 16, here's what Paul said. At my first defense, guess who stood with Paul in his first defense? Nobody. Nobody. He's been preaching the gospel. He's had people who have obeyed the gospel. He's talked to congregation. He's talked to elders. He's talked to all kinds of people. And guess who stood with him? Nobody. Not only did they not stand with him, but they forsook him. That preaches right there. But what did Paul do? May it not be charged against them. Remember Jesus said, you guys are all going to run from me. You ain't even going to want to be around me, man. But look at what Paul says. But the Lord stood with me. And He strengthened me so that the message might be preached fully through me. and that all the Gentiles might hear. And I love this part. He was also delivered out of the mouth of a lion. How about that? He says, and the Lord will deliver me from every evil work and preserve me for his heavenly kingdom. That is the truth for us as well. The Lord will deliver me from every evil work and he will preserve me for his heavenly kingdom. Why? Because when the going gets tough, I know who I can lean on. The second thing is this, and we're about to wrap up. Being conformed to his death. Why is this something to be encouraged by? Why is this something that we need to consider in our faith? Why does this make us have a faith that lasts you know, this phrase is related to the fellowship of his sufferings, but it also has another dimension to it, which Paul describes in many other places that of dying to sin and self through the cross of Christ. And I spoke about it earlier. This brings those thoughts that I spoke of back to life. When we obey the gospel, would you say amen to this that we are put in Christ? Amen. And we have decided to follow Jesus, amen, and to live the way that he lived. We've put to death sin and the lust of it. But here's the question, and I've got several verses, and I want you to not think about your neighbor. I don't want you to think about your cousin. I don't want you to think about your mama. I don't want you to think about your daddy. I want you to think about you and answer these questions. Are we doing a good job of putting sin to death? Romans chapter 6, verse 10, the Bible says this For the death that he died, he died to sin once for all. But the life that he lives, he lives to God. Jesus died to sin once for all. Is that us? Ask yourself this question and be honest. Are you done with sin? Are you done with sin? Galatians chapter 2 verse 20. I've been crucified with Christ and it is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, the life that I live now as a child of God, I live by the faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave Himself for me. Is Christ really living in you? What about Colossians chapter 3, verse 5, where the Bible says, Therefore put to death your members which are on the earth, fornication, uncleanness, passion, evil desire, and covetousness, which is idolatry. Are we putting to death our members which are on the earth? Just think about these questions for a minute. See, I say I'm a Christian and I know that it hurts me to hear these words, but am I really applying them to my life? Do people really see that Christ lives in me. You want to know how it's shown when the times get tough? That's when Christians shine. At the moment of Jesus' death, He could have done anything. But what did He say as He was standing, as He was pinned up on the cross? Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. What about Romans eight thirteen? For if you live according to the flesh, here's the reality, you'll die. But if by the Spirit, if you say that you live by the Spirit, this should be true in your life, that you have put to death the deeds of the body. Is that true in our lives? Or do we even think about that? Do we say, wait a minute, let me count to 10 before I do this, right? See, Galatians chapter 5 goes perfectly with this thought because Paul says, and those who are Christ have crucified the flesh and its passions and desires. If we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. Have we really crucified the flesh? 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 24. Who himself bore our sins in his own body on the tree that we, having died to sins, might live for righteousness. The question is this. Are we living for righteousness? And even better than that, and even stronger than that, are we thankful that his stripes, his wounds, for the first time in my life, I've told y'all about a thorn that I got stuck in my back, but for the first time in my life, I actually got whipped by one of them them thorn bushes. I was moving it out of the way, and I thought it was out of the way, and that thing came back, and it whipped me across my chest, and I'm going to tell you what, it hurt. My soft, city skin wasn't ready to take something like that. Went right into my body and it hurt. Could you imagine the stripes that were on our Lord and Savior's back? On old nasty, splintered tree? Are we living for righteousness? These questions could be answered real quick by looking at our actions, not somebody else's. What fruit are we bearing, brethren? This is what Jesus meant when he said, whoever denies himself to follow me will be successful. See, Jesus always denied temptation to do the Father's will. And here's the challenge, and here's the question, do we? Paul says in Romans chapter 8, verse 29, that God's will for us as his children is to be conformed to the image of his son. As we close our thoughts, I want us to consider the attitude of Paul. A man who was locked up for preaching Christ. A man who had all the glory. A man could want according to the flesh. And he decided that all of that was worth rubbish in comparison to the awards the reward that he gets by being in Christ. Cannot compare. When we fix our eyes on Jesus, He will take us to places we never thought were possible. Chris read it and I want to read it again and I want you to meditate and spend some time on it this week. The Bible says, Therefore we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, Let us lay aside, brethren. Can we do this? Can we lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us? Can we lay it aside? And can we run this race the right way? Here's how we run it the right way. We look to Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith who for the joy that was set before Him... you see it? When the suffering became the most, when it became the hardest, it says for the joy that was set before Him, He had joy in that. Why? Because His light was about to shine. Oh, what a light it is. Amen? He endured the cross, despising the shame, and He sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. And I want you to think about this and all the stuff that we have going on, and all of the things that we hear, all of the things that we read, I want you to remember this. Consider Him who endured such hostility from sinners against Himself. And He never wavered. And the verse finishes by saying, lest you become weary and discouraged in your soul. Don't become discouraged. God is with us. And He loves us. And He's made a way. No matter if I'm alive or if I'm dead, I can be with Him. Amen? Maybe you're here today and you're struggling. Maybe you're here today and you need prayers. Maybe you're here today and you're anxious and you just need the church to pray with you. Be strong, be courageous, be bold, and know that God is with you and your labor is not in vain. But maybe you're here today and you need to render obedience to the gospel. Maybe you need to become His child. Today is the day. What an exciting day that would be. Heaven rejoicing and this congregation rejoicing as well when somebody decides to become a child of God. Amen? Jesus said, he who believes and is baptized will be saved. Maybe you need to be saved. Please come. As together we stand and sing.